Hello. Round two. Welcome. Attempt number two. This is two girls, one ghost. Two girls. Why did I close my eyes? One ghost. I feel like I was praying. We are your ghostesses. Uh, the audio must work. That is Corinne. Hello. And I am Sabrina. Let us gather hands. We are gathered here today to appease you, oh wise spirits. Spirits above us, below us, between us, next to us, in between our toes. <laughs> Please allow us to record this dang episode. This was supposed to grace your ears two weeks ago. June 11th is when it was supposed to come out. But alas, alas, the spirits had other plans. Plans. They're plotting against us. It was us. destruction. Maybe this episode Maybe they will wanted be it better. to be us together. That's maybe. Yes. And but maybe they were like, you know, that was, a, that was a B. You guys could give an A. And, and we're going to. Today, right now, together, we'll get gold stars. Can I make us coffee? I know I already clicked yeah, sure. the record, but I feel like I need a cup of coffee. Make us coffee. Okay. Give okay. me one second. Okay. Corinne just made us coffee. I did. It felt like for above a B, we had to have some coffee. That rhymed. Mm. For above a B, mm. you got to get some coffee. Ah, espresso. All right. Get ready for some weird shit. <laughs> This is the first time you've ever heard it, but I've heard it only one time and honestly forgot it all. So, well, I more meant because we're drinking. Oh, <laughs> it's oh. two thirty, and we're drinking more coffee. Yes, we are. We had we we did a, a split combo thing this morning with iced coffee and a dirty chai mixed mm -hmm. between, and the it, two was it was delicious. It was, and I owe everyone well ten dollars. You're gonna pay everyone ten dollars. Okay, this is kind of like me making up for no, I don't have enough money to give everybody. $10. I like how long it took for if, you to respond. To if that. everyone could give me $10, that would be excellent. My Venmo's current VN. Link right here. I'm going to insert some of the photos into the Boston haunting part one, which okay. will have come out. But when we're recording this, it will, it will, my English is not working. Anyway, mm -hmm. but I, I never got to tell people the name of the cat that lives in Marblehead. <gasps> And his name is Fred, but hey, Fred. they call him Snaggletooth Fred. <laughs> and here are some photos. <gasps> Fred. And I'll just... Cute little gushy pushy. I'll just uh, link them and link them. I'll put them... <gasps> this is why we right need here. a coffee. Right now. It's going to be in the video. It was probably also, if you watch an order on YouTube, it was in the Boston oh. one already. But I realized... Was it in Boston one? Oh. Well, I'm going to put them in because I'm editing it Boston with Christina. One came out last Part week. one. Oh, you're right. Wow. Okay, well, so it's going to be here, here, because right it wasn't... No, I think I did send it. Honestly, I don't know. It's going to be in this video, though. I told you to get ready from some weird shit. And Hence I already the started coffee. one sip, and it got weird. We already recorded a few episodes, so in my defense... Well, my brain cell drunk. was never here. We We're are... podcast drunk. <laughs> We're crazy, girls. <laughs> you know what podcast drunk is? The definition is when you record so many podcasts in a row in one day that you literally lose your mind. Yes. Or you have no mind at all and it's just mush. To begin with, it was empty. <laughs> it was already mush to begin with. <laughs> oh, someone can send me some mushrooms to make me smarter again. I would the like to be brought back to my, mush brain. my brain of 2019, please, because things have happened. Your brain and, was better in 2019? Oh, for sure. The past few years, downhill, down, down, down. My eyesight, my skin, my brain, my gut, my butt. No, your butt has gotten nice. My hair. Here you you grew a real big, real big donk mm. booty. Thank you to Cheryl at Exhale Bar in Boston. <laughs> Give me that okay. booty. 
Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. Okay, but booze, ghostly booze are rocking everywhere in this mm-hmm. episode. Right. So we said this in the beginning of – did I? we already said this or did I say it in the beginning of the last episode that came out last week? It's Basically, together. we recorded this episode. It was supposed to come out. Audio, ghosts, hauntings. We're trying again. We're trying again. And I was really excited about this one. And you can bring that same enthusiasm to today. Thank you. You know, I actually, in the last two weeks, have had a major transformation in my life. And so I'm coming at it with a fully different perspective. I love this. This is great. Not really. Well, hey, look, you're, you're, you're figuring it out. And also you are wearing a sweatshirt, which is in my Saturn return. And because we love green, we, by the time this episode comes out, will have this sweatshirt in this color green. Available. Yeah. Yes. Because I, so I ordered it for myself and I saw that this color wasn't an option on our store. So I made it myself and then didn't make it an option on the store. So, but I will like, make it an option. <laughs> so we complete each other. We do. We You're like, for green for me? I'm like, how about green for everyone? Green for you. <laughs> green for me, but not money green. Venmo us. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is a really great segue really quick to, to tell everyone you to donate to our cause if we do a patreon <laughs> and we have really cool things on patreon no seriously let's do like know, a little okay. business money corner business. we do a patreon we do we have updated our tiers upgraded our tiers and we continue to add things and more recently we started doing campfire stories mm-hmm. every tuesday at 8 p.m for all of the tiers we also go live every single month for one of the tiers we have Only a lot of discounted fandom. merch we have in paranormal news, which is a specialty by bonus weekly bonus episode, yeah. and we do a lot of other cool things on there too. So you can check out those tiers. Mm-hmm. And then, in addition to this, as you know, you know the world it's kind of tough, and marketing and advertising companies aren't spending that much money. And so you may may have noticed that we don't have that many ads. <laughs> so uh, for the people that have stayed and have supported us for those sponsors, we what what is behind us? What do you mean? Oh my God. What? It's a freaking lantern. It was, it was, well, it's not, it was blowing in the wind, but it was bopping up ever so slightly. I thought it was someone trying to peek their head over the window. Holy shit. What if we, (gasps) no, no, no. It's a, it's a lantern from decor from Nikita's, uh, Mendy party. And I have beautiful Mendy on my hands. You do. But anyway, so we have on two girls, one ghost.com. If you want to support the sponsors who have stayed and supported us, you can head over to our website. There's an, an entire page. It's called Sponsors with all of the discounts and the yes. links to benefit you too and, and get yeah. some get some discounts on some really great brands. Yes. And also, we really do have so much fun with Patreon. We're always looking for new ways to connect with you. It's Also, if you get responses from anyone on Patreon, it's us. We respond directly to you. You have you basically have our social security numbers by joining our Patreon. We tell you a lot of things. Yeah. We're starting to do vlogs that we're going to put up on there. Yes. There's... And we've got some travel plans. We've been together and we're going to be together a lot more soon. There's so... a hint, 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 hint. There. <laughs> uh, make sure to listen to this podcast on the month of July, please. Check back in the next couple two weeks. weeks. Hint, hint, hint. Hint, hint. I just got chills by our own hinting. Wow. I also like how our winking was not wink, wink. We went, ah, ah, or maybe I made the noise. Did we make it the noise together? I, I think I joined in. I feel like it was an aggressive grunt. 
And that is how we feel. We're aggressively excited about all of the new things coming our way. I also just realized I'm aggressively chewing my gum into the microphone. So I'm so sorry. So sorry. I'm selling it for 20 bucks. <laughs> so we need the money. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive merch on a Patreon. I'll put it in a plastic bag. If you've ever wanted to clone Sabrina, now's your chance to buy some DNA for the, the price of $19.99. <laughs> Are we an infomercial now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like we took two sips of coffee and we haven't stopped <laughs> moving. I know. We're There's like so, so much creaking behind <gasps> us. What did Sorry. you put in this coffee? <laughs> I don't know. It's an espresso. We've been poisoned. Also, did you know Lily of the Valley is poisonous? Yeah, you told me that. Okay. And just keep thinking about it because everybody has it in their wedding bouquets and boutonnieres. And one of the listeners messaged me when I was holding Lily of the Valley and took a picture of it a few weeks ago. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, those are super poisonous. And I looked it up and it was like, don't touch your mouth or eyes or things after touching Lily of the Valley. And I was like, I sure as hell didn't know that. Well, you're still here. So I am. As far as we know in this reality. So don't ever put any Lily of the Valley in your coffee, in your coffee, in your mouth. Or allow your children to touch it. Just admire it from afar. Yes. Look, but do not touch. So you might be wondering, are you two okay? <laughs> I'm concerned. We're great. Yes. The cow but is on the no, ice. No. Well, that would be wrong. That would be bad. We don't. The cow want the is cow. off the ice. The cow is not on the ice. If you listen to Encounters 186, you would know what we're talking about. <laughs> Check it out. Anyway, this episode... If if someone in the 1960s heard this, or 1860s, let's just go let's go all the way back a little bit further. If they heard us, they're talking not grandma, like grandpa, this, but um, great grades. They're great grades, but uh, well, all the way till more recent great or more recent. See, <laughs> grandma and grandpa recently too, because this story takes place through a long spectrum of time. Okay. The point is, if anyone heard this, we would probably be sent away. Mm. I feel like. We could be sent away right now, too. <laughs> I spent how many weeks? 13 weeks in a in a. You were partially sent away. <laughs> I sent myself You away. sent yourself before anyone else did, which okay. was a really wonderful choice. thing for you to do. Yes, yes, I agree. But unfortunately, back in the day, there wasn't a whole lot of choice. Even when there was, it was not a very good choice. Mm. So what follows is a list of patients, their symptoms, and their diagnoses. You keep looking in places and I'm like, you have shifty eyes right now. <laughs> I'm thinking. About what? <laughs> Nothing. I thought your brain was mush. <laughs> it's darkness in there. The thoughts are, Hello? look over here. Now look over there. Now move your eyes again. <laughs> that that kind of hurt my little noggin. I'm so sorry. You got some strong knuckles. Thank you. For moving the grease around. Would you like moisture? To your little, little <laughs> noggin up. <laughs> okay. If you're watching on YouTube, that might give you some context to what is happening. Sabrina assaulted me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and now she's checking herself in. The cycle continues. <laughs> Damn, I thought I was trying to break it. <laughs> okay. What follows is a list of patients, their symptoms, and their diagnoses. And please note, these are real. But I don't take that. They are not serious to me at this moment. This is takes place in the 1800s. Yes, yes. We may we may have thought seriously about these things in the 1800s and thought that they were true. Yes. But not now. A 14-year-old girl experiencing seizures possessed 
A man claiming to be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Insane. A woman experiences dissipation, is spending wastefully and wasting activity. Insane. A man consumed by masturbation. Insane. Recommended treatments for all four. Torture. Uh, laughing was not the appropriate response. Well, I, said it in a, I said it in a very strange way. Uh, These are real diagnoses and treatments recorded by the medical staff at Athens Asylum in Athens, Ohio, or what was the Athens Asylum, mm. except they did not call it torture. They called it medical aid, and it was believed to be cutting edge. For hysterical women. Yes. And, and men, all of the above. And this is a story that we have talked about quite a bit in the history of our podcast, in the history of mental institutions and the mental health field. A lot of mental asylums, which are, the word asylum is literally seeking aid, mm-hmm. ended up being places of torture, horrific treatment, and altogether pretty awful livelihoods for a lot yeah. of people. How I, sad is that? And I feel like, not to get dark, but I feel like we still see that a lot with people yes. seeking asylum. And it's like, you some of the greatest horrors you face is in those moments of either being rejected or falsely being convinced that you will be taken care of and helped. Yeah. There's a lot of elderly in that position. Mm-hmm. There are also a lot of people who, yeah, aren't able to take care of themselves and are handed over to others and not treated as if they are human in the same way that we are. All that to say, this is a story we have heard many times. What occurred at Athens Asylum is not a new revelation to us, to our podcast, to history, but it is true and it has happened and it did happen. And so it is no wonder that a place like Athens Asylum that operated for as many years as it did is now one of the most haunted places in Mm. the world. So this is the history, the horror, and the haunts of Athens Asylum. It has gone by many, many names over the years, and today is known as the Ridges and is part of Ohio University. Yep. We've heard about that. Corinne, you covered in an episode. Yes. And Don't quiz me on anything. And it's funny because we just did this two weeks ago, so <laughs> you probably... I should have re-listened to that episode. <laughs> but for the sake of the story, I'm just going to call it Athens Asylum. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank Eric, one of our Patreon donors and loyalist and, members. And uh, also probably will win the award of MHF, Most Haunted Friend. Oh, we should do an awards. We should do an awards ceremony. You know I love to do the <laughs> awards ceremony. We should also do like a rewards program for our podcast. Like if you prove that you've listened to however many episodes in a year, you get 20% off of merch. If you call into Campfire Stories from the middle of the woods like <laughs> 10 times. 10 times. If you, Eric, if you, you bring, get most haunted friends. If you bring in three new MHFs, most haunted friends. We need to start like what? What did you say? Most haunted friend. Most haunted MHF. But the MHF awards. No, but we. There was a group, haunted friend group HFG. Was that it? Oh yes, HFG. And we're gonna start merch for that. We should. And most haunted friend. And most haunted friend. It's gonna be. We're gonna do a couple. Oh, we're gonna do a lot. I forgot. And you get the sweatshirt in green. Oh, bring everyone. Bring your friends. Basically, you know how the triangle works. Hang out. But thank you to Eric for recommending this topic. And then 
I, you know, despite having done it, I had this really big realization in probably the last 10 hours of us recording this that I'm glad that I actually get to say this again because people know that I had recently done, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast, in the end of 2022, beginning of 2023, I did an intensive outpatient trauma treatment. And it has made me in reflection and doing, well, like the experience was absolutely amazing. Like, you know, not the trauma that I went through, but the fact that I was able to find a program that was so healing for me and accessible for me is just, I think in comparison to the story, really, really remarkable and makes me really happy for how far the mental health field has come and that I was not going through the things that I was going through and at the lowest points that I was in, in a time like this, because yeah, yeah, I, without that treatment, without tab called trauma and beyond, I don't know where I would be right now. So I'm very, very grateful. It's a sad reality for so, so many people in the past when we talk about asylums, even, I mean, think about like the witch trials, just anything like that. And it does make me curious what my hope is that it continues to progress. Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. you're so grateful that you live in this time, but my hope is that in another hundred years, people couldn't even imagine being here. Yeah. And also like I'm fortunate enough to have been able to afford that treatment. Mm -hmm. It's not cheap, but I do want to say to anyone and everyone, even if you're not struggling, you are loved, you are cared for, we love you. And there is aid. There are avenues for help and there are people who want to help you. So please know that there are resources and there are places that can help you financially if that resource is too expensive. So I hope you know you're not alone and that there are places that can help you. And if you need resources, we'll link a couple in the show notes, but then also you can reach out. If you want to know more about TAB specifically, I'm happy to talk about it. Anyway, love mental health nowadays. Glad it was not, I'm not existing in this time of the 1800s. Because in the early 19th century America, mental health care was pretty non existent. Those in need of care or assistance were often sent to prisons, almshouses, or very poorly taken care of by their families just because they didn't, they weren't equipped. They didn't understand how to take care of the mm-hmm. mentally ill. Treatments. Or it was blamed on your perversions for your mother. Exactly. Freud. Which there is some truth to that, but just different types of different types. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the treatments in these facilities or at home were pretty awful. There was bloodletting, purging, and eventually lobotomies and shock therapy. I almost think bloodletting sounds worse than a lobotomy. I think of like Game of Thrones and stuff and how they just thought bloodletting would heal like any ailment. Mm-hmm. And it's just gross. They're all terrible. But- Anything odd or medically unknown was pretty much placed into the category of insanity. So like those examples I gave in the very beginning, this young girl was having seizures because she was epileptic. But because epilepsy was not known or studied, it was then she thought that she was possessed because anything that they didn't know must be something in, you know, religion was, is, and has always been a really big part of society. And so if it was something we didn't understand that looked scary. Therefore, it must have been a possession of something dark, demonic, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. Intemperance or a lack of restraint was insanity. Dissipation or wasteful spending and wasteful activities was insanity. 
In just one year at Athens Asylum, the year 1876 specifically, 81 men and one woman were diagnosed as insane caused by masturbation. 56 men and one woman were deemed insane caused by intemperance or dissipation. I do wonder with the masturbation thing what their threshold was. Doing it at all? Doing it once a month? I imagine that for the woman, it was probably just doing it once. Yeah. And getting caught. For men, so much of the treatment was doctors doing that to women anyway. Yeah. I don't know if it was the 1800s, but. I mean, it wasn't consensual treatment. No. That wasn't like above board. That was happening behind closed doors. 51 women in 1876 were diagnosed insane after giving birth, which today we know is postpartum and still is a mental illness that is still like just being recognized really and being discussed Mm -hmm. and treated as it should be in America. Correct. 32 women were diagnosed insane caused by menopause. 29 women were insane because of menstrual derangements. There were also many incorrectly diagnosed patients who had disabilities that also were not understood at the time. Basically, we can all agree. It was a very fucked up time Mm -hmm. and the treatments were barbaric, which is very easy to say now looking back at it all. But during the time, medical professionals, scientists, people involved in that world thought that they were changing the world. And to some degree, I mean, it's hard. It's like some degree today, there there are shock therapy treatments that are extremely helpful and valuable, which maybe they would not have existed without any type of experimentation in it. Mm. But at least now they're monitored. And it's not just like, let's crank up, crank up the dial. And it's not, let's use it on every single person. It's case by case scenario. It's not one size fits all. It's very- And now we have so many different medical devices and sensors and whatnot that you can actually monitor someone's physical response to that and understand how it affects their brain, their body, their heart. Whereas before it was literally just let's electrocute them. Yeah. See what happens. Let's get them to shut up. And if they don't cry in the middle of the night anymore, we've healed them. Wait, can I just say? Maybe. I was watching a TikTok (laughs) and there's this woman who was like, here's my tip for all of you first time gardeners. And I believe it was squash or maybe it was pumpkin. She had planted one of these plants too close to an electric fence on her property that had grown into the fence. And so even if she was trying to pull some of the vegetables from further back from the fence, like away and into the yard, the electrical current from the fence went through the entire plant and would shock her like, like a horse electric fence. So she had to wear rubber gloves to basically... That's a thing? <laughs> yes. Her vegetables were conduits? Yeah. They shocked her. So be warned. Even your pumpkins can try to kill you. <laughs> the case of the killer pumpkins. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I, that, I had mm-hmm. no idea where you were going with Just that. Just in case you had an electric okay. fence. There, there you, whoop, there you, there you know. go. There, there you, you know. know. <laughs> Okay, so Athens County, Ohio, which is where Athens Asylum eventually was built, has a very spooky history, and I won't go too, too far into it, but there's a lot of spooky spots in Athens, Mm -hmm. Ohio. But back in the day, before Athens Asylum was ever built, it is said that there was a family, the Coons family, who was known throughout all of Athens, had erected a spirit room in Athens where they would conduct seances. 
Uh, yes. It's so wild to think. I mean, I think it's partially our dream to, to be brought up in a really witchy family that has some of this stuff happen, but it is really interesting to think of a family just consciously being like, this is our room instead of being like, oh, we need a home office here. And, and we need a a walk-in food pantry. Like that would be nice. It's like the seance seance room. It's also, you know, during the time of spiritualism, there was a lot of shifts in True. society at the time, people trying to deal with death, and it was commonplace basically mm-hmm. in the 1800s. But that's all to say that Athens, Ohio already has a pretty spooky undertone. The soil is fertilized with spirits before it is... <laughs> <And> killer pumpkins. <laughs> killer pumpkins. <laughs> that is the lay of the land. Enter Athens Asylum. It was built in 1874, and this building is stunning. We'll insert a photo here. It screams drama, drama, and also beautiful. It also screams prom. (laughs) Prom photos. (laughs) Because high schoolers take prom photos outside of Athens Asylum. I can see why. It's beautiful. It's very Victorian Gothic style. If you ignore everything that happened there, yes, <sighs> perfect prom And when photo. you're in high school, you're not thinking about that. No. You're thinking about where's the after party. And also, let's be real. I think all of us who are here either love ghost stories or history or both. And there's a lot of people that are interested in none of that. So we can't just assume that everybody in the town and everyone who goes there yeah. does all the research and knows everything about no. these buildings. Like there's even us just walking down the street. Like it's the majority like of the time, we have no idea. I probably post on my Instagram story all the time places that horrendous things take place. But I haunted. But I didn't Google that address as I walked by. I just took a picture of the building. Actually, when I was in Whitehall, New York, I took a picture on the bridge and there's this beautiful Mm. home sticking out of the woods and it's famously haunted. I had no idea. Multiple people messaged me and were like, that building is haunted. And it's a museum as well. Yes. It's some guy's house turned museum because I had seen it because I was tracking where you were going. And I had actually always clicked on that you. landmark. Yeah. I'm always, don't add me you on Find My Friends because I will watch you. I'm not on TikTok. You get like a notification when I leave every location. It's just like, <laughs> Sabrina's on the move. Notified. <laughs> but yeah, so it was built in the high Victorian Gothic style. It's stunning towers, the white accents on the windows and mm. like the verandas. It is also built in the Kirkbride plan, which is a pretty common building style for mental institutions. It has staggered bat wing floors. For some reason, it reminds me of a gingerbread house. It does have that. There's like the icing. Yeah. Something about Victorian buildings are very gingerbread. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Kirkbride plan, it's basically the main building has a central administration building. One wing extends to the right. That one was for women. And then to the left was a wing for men. And both of them had their own dining halls. So there basically was no cross. I almost said contamination. (laughs) No crossover between men and women. The main building was 853 feet long, 60 feet wide, and was set to house 572 patients. That is what Athens Asylum planned for, 572 Mm -hmm. patients, which was actually double the amount that the Kirkguide plan was actually intended to house. So already they were planning for overcrowding. Okay. Should we, do you know the actual, do you have the actual number of how many people were there? Because I will get there. Okay. Well, let's have, let's take a moment. This is like when you get to guess how many bubble gum balls, bubble balls, bubble balls, things are in a jar. Here's a jar. 
Guess how many items are in here? This is what I'm the, trying to say. The tough thing is that over the, like, I don't know specifically how many were in there when it opened because over the years it expanded so much mm. that I do have at a point in my story, a number from one point of time. Okay. But it was also when there were way more buildings. Okay. But as with most of these stories about mental institutions, overcrowding was like, on the list of red flags, overcrowding is like really high up there. You can pretty much guarantee that that it happened everywhere. Yes. I haven't heard of an asylum where it didn't. I agree. When it first opened, it consisted of 141 acres and over the years grew to be 1,000 acres and 78 buildings. It was first named Athens Lunatic Asylum and opened on January 9th, 1874. The very first patients were a 14-year-old girl diagnosed as possessed when she actually had epilepsy and a man named Daniel Freeman who believed he was the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Mm. It then went on to house men, women, children, homeless, rejects, unwanted children, rebellious children, disobedient wives. I'm saying disobedient wives in yeah. quotations because, ah, Civil dare War. you say no to I your know. husband? Whoa. Civil War veterans and violent criminals. The hospital went through 10 plus name changes. A lot of them included words that we should never use. Yeah. Um, Ooh. So Athens Asylum is how we shall continue. I have this photo of opening day. It doesn't it kind of remind you of Hogwarts. The Shining? <laughs> the I Shining. Yeah, it's got the Hogwarts vibe. In uh, well, I've never, I haven't been to the Stanley Hotel, but I guess sort of. But you've seen the photo from the movie, no? From The Shining? Yeah, like the end. Yeah, I'll show you later. Okay. We'll put it side by side here. This child looks like a doll, doesn't it? Is it a doll? It's a child. Oh. Which is like, why is there a child? It's basically a photo of the staff on the opening day. Hmm. Ooh, look, we've got a bent neck lady in the second row. A few over from the center. And a photograph or a portrait of a man in front row. Yeah. How beautiful. Now for bachelor parties and bachelorettes, we put people's heads on (laughs) popsicle sticks. And back in the day, they did that too. It's just they framed them and brought them with them. But we just don't know who that is. Humans really just never truly change. We just alter how we do things. So the 1800s of Athens Asylum marked a decade-long endeavor. (laughs) There's a fly. In case people are like, what is Corinne doing? Is she okay? There's two. Oh, they are. They're really circling. They're mating, I think. Don't mate on us. I caught zero of them, but that thing ran away fast. There was one right next to me. You know what's creepy about this is that I and I told you this yesterday, but Doctor Sleep, which is like the sequel to Shining, in the movie he talks about how when people were going to die, he saw flies circling their faces before, like for days before. And I hate that you're telling me this before I'm getting on a flight. Well, you're not. It's certainly me. And they're fruit flies. They were just all over my face. But now they're all over my face. And it, okay. I take it back. Must we both die? Yes, of course, together. Yes. Okay. So the beginning days of Athens Asylum, or years, I guess I should say, is this decade-long endeavor called Healing Landscape. And so this like actually opened with really, really good intentions. It was all about building a healing community with access to the outdoors and fresh air. And they built ponds and farms and livestock and working fields. They had boats and gardens. And it was this very beautiful self-functioning community mm-hmm. that the patients would go spend many day- much of their time outside. They would interact and they would almost live a normal life, but within the confines of this facility. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. But then 
it became more of a place to keep and house the mentally insane. And then by the early 1900s, it became more of a hands-on care and research-based facility. Lots of red flags coming up. If if you didn't get that, I'm going to spell it out. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah, because that means they got way more leeway with what sort of practices they were doing. Because in the, in the name of research, yep. it's like, let's try all these barbaric practices before there was a lot of structure and rules around what you could do and patient safety. Exactly. So by the 1950s, they were housing over 1,800 patients and forcing upon them many cruel experimental treatments. We're talking hydrotherapy, electroshock, lobotomies. And then after experiencing one of those, if not all three of those, they were allowed art therapy. Oh, After the fact. Well, so at the very least, at least they had art therapy. Cren, just warning to you, because last time we recorded this, which no one will see, you did get a little bit faint when I started talking about one of these things. I'm just going to lay right here. Honestly, I should, because I actually almost fainted. It was... You did. It was true. But now it's not your first time hearing it. Doesn't matter. Hopefully that helps. Okay. So just to give a little bit, <laughs> you're like not even in frame. Let people at least watch your reaction. Here, if I slump, I won't hit my head because there's pillows on the side over here. Okay. So hydrotherapy, I'm just giving like a brief rundown of what things were. Hydrotherapy is they would wrap the patients in sheets so they could not move and they would place them in ice baths for extended periods of time. Some patients would even be there would be an electrical current submit, like emitted through the water to treat them. So if you own a, hi- a hairdryer or any machine of a con- any kind that plugs into the wall, you know that they come with a tag that says, do not drop in water or do mm-hmm. not use near water, water because you will die if it falls while you're in the water. You know, they the were only time I ever got a 100% on a creative writing essay was in high school. I wrote sophomore year English class, I wrote a story about this woman who witnessed someone like try to save him on the streets of New York City, but he got hit by a car. And then later his spirit arrived to her apartment and it like kind of flashes forward and goes into moments of time. But anyway, they fall in love. She can't be with him. He's a ghost. And in the end, she slips into her bath, made her decision. Isn't this kind of like Just Like Heaven? I've never seen Just Like Heaven, but apparently a couple of years later, I think Grey's Anatomy did that as a storyline. So Shonda Rhimes. Pay up. Pay Corinne's me. Venmo. Twenty dollars. That's all you have that's to give. All, all she wants. <laughs> Otherwise, they would do electroshock with brine-soaked electrodes being placed directly on the temple. So I feel like a lot of people, if you've seen Clockwork Orange or any of those types of movies, films, TV shows, it's like the you know the thick mm-hmm. nodules, and then some the, people hate the word moist. Brine is that for me. So it would be placed directly on the temple and then they would just shock. They'd turn up the voltage. And this is just another place where I want to clarify that today there there are forms of electroshock therapy, but they are very controlled. They are very specifically used after consideration and a lot of thought. And then there are lobotomies. Oh, which, this is the part yeah, where I was yeah, like, why are you getting up now? Because that was, I was like, oh, maybe I forgot. I'm going to put my feet up too. So I have some and good circulation. Athens Asylum was pretty famous for their lobotomies. It started out as opening patient skulls and opening their neural passages midway through the brain. It killed a lot of 
patients that they did this to, and those who did survive had some pretty awful side effects, terrible memory issues, decline of quality of life. And if that wasn't a warning, (laughs) doctors continued to do this. And Mm -hmm. actually they were like, oh, it's just taking too much time. How can we make this quicker? So they invented, this is where Corinna is going to. (laughs) I'm going to be fine this time. Last time I actually almost fainted. Yeah. This time I'm fine. I'm prepared. You can continue. It doesn't make it any less gross. Yeah. They developed the metal ice pick instrument called a leucotomy. Keep in mind, there's no anesthesia for this. So before using this tool, ice pick, basically, the patients were knocked out with electroshock therapy. I pray that. Yeah. But they were shocked. But this is so effed up. They're shocked to an extent that they pass out. And then they insert this tool into the back Mm. of their eyelid and use a mallet to tap it into the brain and then saw it back and forth, severing the neural receptors. I hope no one's driving while they listen to this. I feel like we gave them plenty of warning based oh on my their reactions. God, it's so awful. I know. If if you're watching on YouTube, there there will be a photo of what? What? A, a, a video of me performing the operation <laughs> on me? patient Corinne. No. Just of the just device. A, of the a device. Car- it's a, a drawing. drawing. Okay. Yeah. It is said that this method was used to, quote unquote, soothe up to 20 patients a day. And then there was also questionable psycho- psychotropic. There are also questionable drugs like LSD and acid used on patients. And a lot of patients died at the hands of the hospital staff and were then buried on property grounds marked only by numbered stones. So sad when that happens, especially because they know who those people are. It's not like they're recovering all of these dead bodies from a war and there's no way to identify them. They know who they are. And it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. And because they did not record their names and the records were not well kept, these graves, it it has taken a lot of work. And I'm going to give a shout out to the National Alliance on Mental Illness organization who has spent a lot of time at mental institutions and graveyards of mental hospitals trying to identify and properly document and identify the graves of people at facilities like this. Snaps for them. Because of that, today there are 1,930 recorded graves of men, women, and children at Athens Asylum. Wow. At the time, there were no names on the tombstones, just numbers. The state of Ohio and NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, has done a lot of work on restoring these grave sites and families, and with the help of families, have taken to marking their loved ones' graves. There, because of all the turnover and this land belonging to the hospital and then to the state and then to mm-hmm. Ohio University, there was a lot of vandalism. There is, it's very likely that a lot of gravestones that were numbered and marked were destroyed. And so there are, there's a high chance that a lot of graves are unmarked and therefore names are not known. Our bodies are not known mm-hmm. on the land. I did find actually a directory for the uh, Athens Psychiatric Hospital, and it is 763 pages long, but it has the names, patient numbers, birth, and death dates, and as much history as is possibly known. Wow. Which That's will, great. Yeah. So many places don't have that. Well, it didn't. This is this was done by By, by this program. Yeah. yeah. So, but if you're interested, because, uh, you know, we're not going to read 763 pages, <laughs> but at least I'm really glad, like you said, that this exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone's interested, they've done a lot of work to try to find 
information about these people. By the 1950s, more modern psychiatric medicine became available. And while, again, evolution of medical aid, a lot of these drugs were given to patients, again, turning them more catatonic and numbing them rather than actually helping them. I was very skillful. (laughs) I picked it up with my toes. With your toes. By 1972, the very last patients who had died at the asylum were buried. And by 1981, there were only 300 patients at Athens Asylum. Finally, eventually the land was decommissioned. All the remaining patients were sent to other hospitals and the land was then given to Ohio University. And by 1993, Athens Asylum was officially closed. It's, I feel myself being so torn during so many of the stories that involve buildings where businesses were because part of me is like, yes, great, reuse what we have. Don't continue to like build and expand and take over and be like little parasitic humans that we are. So I'm glad that these buildings get new lives. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, the darkness that happened here. And then we're like, bring in the college kids. Yeah. Or turn it to a wedding venue. (laughs) Those seem to be the two things that happen. It is tough because it's like, yeah, there are pros and cons to, you know, reusing those those bottles. Reduce, reuse, recycle. (laughs) There are pros and cons is basically what I'm saying. But Ohio University has since remodeled and repurposed the buildings. The main hall is now called Lynn Hall and houses the music, geology, and biotech offices and also has the Kennedy Museum of Art. There are offices, classrooms, museums, housing, and et cetera. It is now called the Athens Ridges, which I think that's what you covered. Mm. Or you... Covered Ohio University. Ohio University, a few of the buildings. So the Ridges was in it. Yes. Almost all of the buildings have been renovated because when they moved in, like a lot of the buildings were pretty poor. There's like, you know, lead in the paint. But there was one building. It was Cottage B. It was one of the seven cottages used for patients with tuberculosis when the uh, the hospital was in operation or the asylum. Mm -hmm. And when they went into this particular cottage, they found that the walls and ceiling were packed with asbestos, which is so, not even ironic. It's just so sad to think about this building was used for people with tuberculosis and the living environment and living conditions of these patients actually exponentially, like harm them exponentially. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, you're having trouble with your lungs. Let me make sure that you can't breathe 24-7. Yeah. A lot of the other cottages were renovated and now are used on the campus. It may have closed its door to new patients, but there are plenty of patients that still roam the land today because Athens Asylum slash Ridges today is perhaps the most haunted place. If not most haunted place, it is definitely the most haunted asylums one of in America. So there are two very well-known stories of patients that that had been held at Athens Asylum. One, the first one, embodies, they both, they're both horrifying. <laughs> they embody the horror of what occurred at Athens Asylum. Mm. But the first one, in 1977, Billy Milligan was sent to Athens Asylum after committing several felonies, including armed robbery and several rapes on the Ohio State campus. His attorney was able to claim that Billy had multiple personalities and that his other personalities were responsible for the crimes. So it's basically the Jekyll and Hyde argument. And kind of, I was thinking the movie Split, because that's way more recent. (laughs) So in 
psychologist diagnosed him with multiple personality disorder and claimed that he had suffered from it from early childhood. He was sent to state hospitals, Athens being one of them, and was determined to have had 11 personalities. He was acquitted for those crimes oh. because of his... Oh, you're... What? You moved the screen. Oh, sorry. I was like, what is happening? My toes are playing with the cord. Just want to make sure people don't think. I need a fidget spinner in my hand or else my toes start wandering looking for something. I'm getting coffee sweat. He was then... Put your toes down! (laughs) (laughs) He was then acquitted for his crimes, which means he got away with these crimes. He was the very... Billy Milligan's case was the very first case where multiple personality disorder was used as a defense and actually successfully worked. Wow. Milligan spent 10 years of his life in mental institutions and then was discharged and died at a nursing home. So not to discredit any mental illness, but when it comes to raping and harming others, despite the mental illness, there should be repercussions longer than a couple years. Yes. In a mental facility. Right. Because you should be able to be receiving the treatment you need for your mental illness while also having accountability for for your your, actions. For your actions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Just one year later, after Billy Milligan's case, came a very, very tragic death that has literally left a stain on Athens Asylum. This is a story of Margaret Schilling. Margaret was a patient of Athens Asylum But on December 1st of 1978, she disappeared. People looked for her. There was a search of some kind. I don't know how extensive it was. Did people, maybe you don't know this, but people who were there, did they have access to being outside? I don't think, I don't think unless it was like monitored. Okay. Her body was discovered 42 days later on January 12th, 1979 in a locked and long abandoned ward. Doctors claim she had died of heart failure, but I have a whole lot of questions to present to you. First of all, how did she wind up inside a locked room, Mm -hmm. not locked from the inside, but locked from the outside? Two, and this is the most glaring question and one that you would not have been able to ask because I didn't give this information to you until right now. When she was found, she was discovered naked and her clothing was folded neatly beside her. So how is that? Why? Three, how was it that she just so happened to wander off, die of heart failure in one of the very few rooms that was abandoned and no longer in use in the building? Suspicious. Because it's one thing she could have, you know, wandered off Mm -hmm. and had a heart attack. But the fact, the, the coincidence and the Chances, likelihood. the likelihood of her actually doing so in a hidden, secret, right. unused room that then is locked from the outside. It's just... It does feel like there's a lot of nefarious activity yes. that would have to involve someone who worked at the hospital. But to play devil's advocate for just a moment, mm-hmm. I do wonder if what their access to the outside looked like and if it was something where, you know, it's like the classic like prison escapes too, yeah. where people do observe what's around them for prolonged periods of time. And I do wonder if perhaps she made some deal, whether it was with someone who worked at the hospital or just a deal with, made a plan to escape with someone else, like another patient. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that patient didn't have the full understanding of what they were 
doing, like maybe she was supposed to be hidden away there. And that was the plan. And they locked her in and there was nothing she could do at that point. But it is well, odd. Why would like she the, take her clothes off, yes. hold them neatly next to her and then right there fall and have a heart attack? That is, that is very strange. That doesn't really make sense. It doesn't. So unfortunately, despite our suspicions, uh, her death was ruled a result of natural causes of a heart attack. It does make me wonder how many others had gone missing or their deaths were recorded as something when they actually were perhaps a cover-up of something. I also wonder too, because I know that with I know that with insurance companies and life insurance policies and whatnot, if someone dies, depending on what their what's ruled as their death, it involves what happens to the plan after. Mm. And so not necessarily completely applicable to this, but I do wonder if there was something with the hospital and the police and the autopsy and all of this where the death had to be recorded as something like a heart attack to ensure that they still got their funding or they still got something. I I don't know. Basically corruption to keep them out of trouble. Either way, it's effed up. Yes. But this is where the stain comes in. When Margaret's body was removed, there was a stain left behind, which is pretty expected. Her Mm -hmm. body had been there for 42 days. So with decay, bloating, natural human Mm -hmm. decomposition, that makes sense. I do wonder how they didn't smell her. Another question. Well, I mean, it's a long abandoned ward, maybe. I don't know. Regardless. So her body had been decaying. Cleaning crews cleaned the room. And they came back a day later and they were like, huh, that's strange. We cleaned this up yesterday. The stain was back. So they cleaned it again. And the next day, that stain was back. No matter how many times they cleaned it, no matter how they tried to clean it, this stain continued to return. To this day, that stain remains. They continue to try to clean it. And no matter what, regardless, the stain returns. So Margaret, people theorize Margaret is making sure people do not forget what happened to her. It's not only her stain on the land, but her spirit is also there. Wow. She has been seen staring down from windows. And this is also when it comes to ghost stories, it's hard to know like, oh, it's 100% Margaret. There are a lot. Mm -hmm. lot, There were 763 pages, almost 2,000 patients recorded to be buried on this ground. So it could be a number of spirits. That could be, but the stain definitely does. The stain, yes. yes, That's absolutely attributed to her. And it does remind me of two things. One, the bleeding house that we covered with One Strange Thing. And then also when we did our live show in New Brunswick, the person who owns the stress factory Mm -hmm. had a story to tell about a bleeding stain of his own in Cape Cod that's attributed to his dad's spirit. Mm -hmm. And like, no matter how many times they paint it, Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. Yeah. That brings up so many questions. Like, is it a glitch? Is it just the spirit continuing to leave their mark? Or is it just like this exact moment continuously happening over Mm -hmm. and over throughout time because it was so powerful? I do not know. But they have seen who they believe or that has been accredited to Margaret's spirit staring down from windows. She's been seen running as if attempting to escape. She's been wandering the building at night. Again, could be various spirits. Other former patients are also said to remain in the buildings. There are reports from visitors seeing strange figures standing in empty wings of the former hospital, hearing disembodied voices, squeaking gurneys, seeing strange lights, and hearing screams echoing from the walls. 
There's also a rumor that patients were shackled in the basement during the time of the asylum operating. I don't know if that's true, but to this day, people report hearing like chains and screaming from the basement. There are also shadows in the cemetery. And most people agree that the spirits are the result of patients who are so poorly treated. And then there's also, and I say this only because it's something that I saw in my research, but I don't necessarily believe it. There's a legend of witches. Apparently there's a set of gravestones that like form a circle and a legend was formed that witches would meet and perform rituals in that circle. Mm. It does kind of feel a little bit like Hocus Pocus to me right. where it's like, oh, this plant, this land is super haunted. Let's throw in another right. legend that happens. Scare everyone with this like one th- and also satanic panic. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, or fortunately, actually, not many investigators, paranormal investigators, have been able to explore the buildings because no overnights are allowed. It's not open for like ghost tours. No trespassing is really allowed overnight. You, there's security on property that would kick you out if you were, you know, vandalizing or breaking in. Well, apparently, there was an old ward that was abandoned. The university hadn't changed into like something else. People were trespassing so much that eventually they were like, we're tearing down this building because like, it's just, we have no idea what to do with it yet. And we can't continue to have That's unfortunate. Yes. There is a man, PJ Rogers, who posted this on the Haunted Athens, Ohio website. He said he was in Athens in 1999, checking out the campus college for their oldest son and stopped to eat at a restaurant down below in the front of the building. As they left to go to the car, they decided to walk closer to the building and strolled around it. As they approached, they thought they saw a disheveled, middle-aged woman in a window on the second floor looking down at us. They had a very eerie feeling and didn't find out the history of the building until much later, but they believe now that they had seen a spirit looking down at them. <gasps> Everyone agrees that you there is a very oppressive feeling at the building. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it hard to breathe in certain places. I can imagine. There are sounds of disembodied screams. One nurse who apparently had worked in the electroshock therapy ward during its operation claimed that sometimes during treatments, she didn't know if she was hearing living patients or deceased oh patients. Oh my God. Screaming. That is horrifying. So it's quite literally, it's more than a stain. It's like the pain just echoes throughout oh, this entire place. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really sad. <sighs> there are some people who have recorded EVPs. There's a, a group called Ohio Exploration. And they, I don't know if they did like an overnight or what they did or how they got in there, if it was loud or not, but they did record some EVPs. And I'll post a link if people want to listen to them. I don't know if we have the rights to play them. So if people want to listen to them, we'll include a link. Today, there are walking tours every third Sunday of the month, and they add more in the month of October, but it is not a paranormal tour. It is a very much like a historical walk through this Mm. beautiful campus, and it is very much a functioning working building owned by Ohio State University. And we also will put the digital archives because there is like, there were, I kind of want to show you. Let's see. Okay. There, so there's like a link for hospital accidents archive. And it has like actual imagery of documents from Athens State Hospital. Oh. Like this one is from February 19th, 1911 from Ward 17. And it says a patient, which their name is redacted, very much disturbed, secluded for 12 hours, shows no resistance. And then there's... This reminds me of, remember one of the, one of our listeners sent to our PO box, 
old documents. Old documents. Yeah. From I I don't know if they were technically trespassing. Yeah. Or what? No, I think I think the place had shut down and and someone they knew was on the team removing items. And oh, was it? I you know I could be making that up. Okay. But somehow we have documents. There's like a bunch about like food fights. This one caused bruise around right eye caused by a blow from another patient. Hiram. And then there was one that was like, won't eat, refusing to eat. And like, because of that was sad. Yeah. Sent into seclusion. Jeez. But there are a lot of documents like that um, in the digital archive of, I think Ohio State University has them about Athens Asylum specifically, mm-hmm. but there's a lot if you want to continue. Oh, that is the history, horror, and haunts of Athens Asylum. Wow. That was excellent. That was... It's oh, like you've never heard it before. It's like I've never heard... And you know what? My brain really did feel like I was hearing it for the first time. I'm very glad. <laughs> very glad to hear that. I feel like the last time we recorded it, it was so much longer because I reset the same things a hundred times. So I was way more concise. Perfect. You got a... It was last time it was a B and it's an A plus today. And I stripped. I'm getting hot and sweaty. It really is hot. It is just interesting hearing all of that about the past. And then now knowing that there's so many college kids and probably the majority of paranormal activity that happens like here moving forward, the black cat again. (gasps) Can I go say hi? But here moving forward is just probably seen by 20 year olds. Okay. I have two stories for us from Ohio University. This is exactly what you're saying, that a lot of students now just experience things. Exactly. Okay. All right. The first one is from Kate. Mm -hmm. Hello, Two Girls, One Ghost. Hi. I've just started listening to your podcast at work, and I want to tell you my experience with what me and my roommate at the time called our, quote, French ghost. Oh, la la. la la. Monsieur. Monsieur, bonjour. 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 Je je m'appelle Karine. Karine. Je suis... Manger. I, I am eat is what I said. <laughs> I don't know any of the words I said. I'm just repeating what I hear. So a little background on my freshman year dorm. I lived in Washington Hall with my roommate at the time. There are a few ghost stories that are particular to Ohio University. There are five graveyards around the university and the city of Athens. And when connected, they form a pentagram over Wilson Hall, a residence hall on West Green that has had its fair share of activity. During fall semester, she was away a lot, the roommate, for marching mm-hmm. band, so I spent several nights and days alone. No big deal. The first month went by without any activity, but as October rolled around, mm. while marching band was in full swing, I came home to my first of many experiences. Yep. The first experience happened while I was alone one afternoon. I was laying in bed. I had the bottom bunk watching TV. And while the bricks of the dorm aren't exactly soundproof, it is never so bad that you can hear everything that comes from the hallway. Anyway, I was watching TV When to my left, the wall adjoining the hallway outside of my room, I heard what sounded like a garden rake being dragged inside the bricks down the length of my bed. What? The sound was absolutely horrible, worse than nails on a chalkboard. It was like dragging high-pitched whine of multiple prongs just dragged on painted bricks. And it came from inside of the brick. I tried to recreate this with a friend as a way to sort of debunk it, but the sound never was the same. When it actually happened, it was loud and it sounded like it was happening right next to my ear. But when I recreated it, the sound was muted and more of an echo. 
There was no comparison between the two. Along with the raking noise, me and my roommate both heard on multiple occasions what sounded like a heavy ball being rolled on the floor above us. According to the ghost stories from Washington Hall specifically, a basketball team visited Ohio University and stayed in the Washington Hall. Which you covered. Yes, which I thought you had covered. (laughs) But apparently I did. Common confusion. I think it's because we did unintentionally a sports-themed episode when we were both researching and I had done baseball and you did basketball. So that's why I... I do think that was a different story, but It was, it was. But I think I attribute basketball now with you. With me. Oh, thank you. Yes. I attribute most things with you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, how do you know you're in love? You see things that are small and you think of them every day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Our anniversary is coming up. It is. On their way home, there was an accident and nobody survived. It was said that the team now haunts Washington Hall's attic and plays with basketballs by rolling them along the floor and running up and down the hall. Fast forward to a few weeks later, my roommate was at class from around 8 a.m. to sometime in the late afternoon. Her schedule didn't give her time to come back to the dorm between, so I know that this was not her. I came back to our room after my morning that bleeds into the early afternoon, and when I got home, one of my framed pictures was off of the wall. It was laying face up, 10 feet away from my bed. And at this point, we had taken our beds down from being bunks and mine was against the wall facing the outside. Hers was adjacent to mine, so neither bed was on the wall where the raking noise was heard. If it had simply fallen off of the wall, it would have landed on my bed, face down most likely. But instead, it was laying several feet away, face up. It looked like it had jumped off of the wall and completely missed my bed. It freaked me out so much that I called my roommate and asked her if she'd done it or just something to explain this. Mm -hmm. I put the picture back up on the wall. It was hung up by command tape and made sure to check it for the next few days. Probably about three days later, I came home to find other pictures of mine as well as a large poster of my roommates on the floor in the same way as the previous. I hate your decor. Redecorating. Throwing it off the wall. Interesting though that it seems to only have changed after they changed the layout of their bed. So perhaps this Ghost was way more fond of the bunk bed layout. And now the new thing is like, there's too much room. There's too much wall decor. Not into it. Yeah. Who knows? It was several feet away from where it was on the wall and all of them were face up. Again, I asked my roommate if she did something or had something to do with it. And she continued to say she had nothing to do with this. So on to the reason why we nicknamed our ghostly roommate French Ghost. (laughs) One Friday night in October, me and my roommates were in our room and we decided to watch Nightmare Before Christmas on my Xbox 360. We turned it on and it played for about 45 minutes before we both paused it and started listening to the movie more directly. At some point in the 45 minutes when we were watching, the language switched to French. When the movie started, it was 100% on English, but at some point it switched over to French, but neither of us were listening close enough to pick up on it. I could chalk this up to a glitch in the movies or the Xbox, But with everything else that happened previously in the semester, I just couldn't pass it off as nothing. After our experience with the movie, Switching Languages, nothing else happened to either of us, or at least that we noticed. Hmm. The activity went quiet, and we finished off freshman year without any more visits from our third roommate. But if you're interested in researching Ohio University's hauntings, definitely check out, which I think we did all of these, if not the majority of them on the episode, The Bridges, formerly Athens Asylum. And the stain, 
mm-hmm. Wilson Hall on West Green, the five graveyards around Athens, Ohio, and Stroud's Run. There are several others, but those four are the main sites for the paranormal. Have a spooky day, Kate. I am so fascinated because it's like, did this ghost just get so satisfied with the viewing of the 45 minutes of this movie that the spirit was like, I can move on. Maybe this spirit had watched only the last half of the movie and so desperately needed to watch it like 20 minutes that it had missed. And it was just waiting, waiting waiting to fill in the gaps of this movie. And it finally got to, and it was like, okay, I'm gone. I'm done. I can rest. Was it Nightmare Before Christmas too? Yeah. That does have like a very spooky je ne sais quoi to it that the spirit ceased haunting. Yes. And it feels so artistic, right? And so the the French ghost was just like, ooh, what is this masterpiece? Yeah. Timmy Timmy Burton. Timmy B. (laughs) Timmy B. Moved on. I mean, hey. At least it was like, yes, it's spooky and it's creepy and hauntings in general are just not the most delightful unless you are asking for it in your BFFs and it's like, or a loved one who's come mm-hmm. to visit you. But it is so fascinating. Like, what did this spirit want and and why did it just move on? Or do you think their taste in movie is what scared the spirit away? Mm. Perhaps the spirit was like there, it was hanging out, it was having a great time, redecorate, or maybe a frustrating time because there was so much redecorating. Mm-hmm. And then watched the movie and was like, oh, these girls are freaks. What is this movie? And then was like, I'm just going to go right across yeah. the hall. And then the next storm comes haunting. I'm moving out, at least for the semester. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I have one more short story. This is from Claire. Hello, ladies. My name is Claire. And I want to say that this has taken me a while to write. I pretty much just started and still have some binging to do. But a while back, you did an episode about schools that were haunted. And of course, you did the school that I went to. I currently just graduated from Ohio University during this pandemic. Okay, who cares? It's ghost time. We care. We care. Woohoo! I lived in the same apartment complex slash room for two years. My very first night staying in my room is when I experienced sleep paralysis for the very first time. I woke up in the middle of the night to see a dark shadow man standing in my doorway. Not too dark, though, because I could see it was wearing a suit. Mm -hmm. I couldn't move my body at the time. I could only move my eyes. So I peeked over from the side and... I was hyperventilating. I, yeah. We don't blame you. We would no. too. I felt as if I was underwater with how much I couldn't breathe. And I was terrified. Then all of a sudden, he comes closer. I could feel him tapping on my shoulder repeatedly. All I could do was just stare at him. Then I woke up, which it was morning now. And I was like, whoa, that was a creepy dream. So I told my roommates. Fast forward a week or two later, one of my roommate's boyfriends stayed for the weekend. One morning, my roommate comes running out of her bedroom and bangs at my door and tells her boyfriend to come in here. He then tells me that he saw the exact same man staring at him last night. No. I remember getting chills all over my body and I was almost in tears. I said, I'm out of this place. (laughs) But then I was thinking, I wonder if he was poking me to snap me out of it because he knew that maybe I was scared. Hmm. Also to mention, the land of the apartment complex used to be a church, so obviously there were a lot of funerals. Spirits probably just hung around. Mm -hmm. Even our neighbors experienced their desks being flipped, things being rearranged. Maybe they were, maybe these two people were uh, neighbors. I only experienced sleep paralysis and seeing this man when I stayed at my apartment. You mentioned the ridges in that episode too. You said that to this day, people perform rituals in the basement. 
my freshman year, my friend and I went up there and started walking around and I remember hearing music. And as I got closer, it was 100% this satanic music. So I hauled my ass out of there. The second I heard that on the episode, I was like, oh, this all makes sense. We did try to break in, (laughs) but the second we tried to walk in, a ghost, sorry, basically a ghost, a gust of air came at us and our phones died out of nowhere. So we were like, yeah, maybe another time. Or maybe never. (laughs) Maybe never. There's even a graveyard in the middle of the woods that you can go visit and see all of the tombstones of the patients from the ridges, only by number. Ohio University is very haunted. Many people experience things. So many creepy stories from this town. But hey, we do have 18 bars on one street. So that's a plus. Thank you for reading this long email and stay classy, which is Claire. I like how Claire was like this long email and I was like, I have a short one. (laughs) (laughs) I also, it's interesting because in the same like couple sentence, Claire says, we heard this creepy satanic music, hauled my ass out of there. And then we also tried to break in, but then... (laughs) Then a cold gust of air just said, maybe another time. Like three sentences that are all like contradictory and also like, hey, don't go, don't go, maybe not. It's Claire continuing to go and then something paranormal or spooky happening and Claire saying, I'll try again next time. (laughs) And then the next time something happening again and Claire's like, okay, maybe Maybe next next time. time. But it's like, you're getting what you're asking for, right? Because I... I can't imagine what you're looking for if yeah. you're trying to break in and go at night other than something spooky and something spooky sure yeah. has, surely has come. It does make me sad that there are people like if, if they are doing satanic rituals or playing satanic music mm-hmm. down there because these poor spirits have been through enough. Yeah. They went through enough in their living days. Can they at least get some peace in the afterlife? Yeah. And like I think about Waverly Hills Asylum, for example. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of horrendous, I mean, physically they were going through so much terrible ailments, like tuberculosis and stuff and dying. And then like there was some stuff with the medical staff, whatnot happening. And then this freaking like demonic creature, the creeper comes in and is like terrorizing the spirits who already have been terrorized by humans. Right. Like just, can't we just let them get some, get some peace. I do wonder about this man though, who was either part of part of the paralysis. Mm. I wonder if, we've talked about this before, if perhaps certain spirits unknowingly trigger sleep paralysis with their presence. Yeah. And if this man noticed that he did this and that Claire was really frightened, if he came over in an attempt to, like she was saying, to, to wake her up. Right. And that there was no ill intent because it's not like, mm. he might just be there, but it almost seems like he's actively like, oh, there. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, shoot, I not did it again. again. Right? Yeah. Because it's like the the roommate's boyfriend also saw this man, but it's not like he was crawling up the wall and or whispering weird things or like getting closer. He wasn't doing all of the scary things that we've heard things and creatures do in sleep paralysis. I mean, he did get closer. Stared and it is it's creepy. It is creepy. But maybe, you know, some people think I'm creepy and I don't mean to be. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I love being creepy. (laughs) No, but yeah, I mean, it's an accidental creepiness. It also makes me wonder what if he will, we've read emails before about people feeling like maybe they were in some glitch where it wasn't a spirit and it was like this, the person that they saw was actively living their life in a different, and seeing a ghost and they thought they saw a ghost. But what if it was more than that? What if Claire, what if he was 
suit, he was in a suit. What if he was a doctor or someone who worked oh. there and he wasn't seeing Claire as Claire, but he was actually seeing another patient who was oh. accidentally like channeling Claire in that moment because oh. they laid in the same bed in the same place basically that like is freaky and she claire was looking but and so that patient because claire was staring very still that patient ended up like she was you got to watch dr sleep i think you'd really like okay it. it'll well also to, to the first part of that theory of let's just say that this is someone from a different timeline who mm-hmm. lives in that house or place he comes home from work he's in his suit and he sees a young girl sleeping in his bed that would be complete like very confusing like i would poke them be right like, Excuse me. And that person's not saying anything to you. They're completely st- still and staring at you. So you stop and stare because you're like, Yeah, what the heck are you, you doing? You have to suss out what's happening, right? Like yeah. you can't just immediately go over it. Like, what is this person? Is there danger? Doing? Like, listen for other people yeah. in the house. And then when you realize they're kind of in this stuck spot, you slowly make your way over and tap, like, Yeah, Miss, are you okay? What's going on? Claire. Claire. You're haunted. Y'all are haunted. Claire and Kate. Super haunted. Where are we from? Ohio. Remember I did I did some like awful Texan accent or like Southern accent for an Ohio I don't remember. accent at, when we did our live shows. Did or it was like Ohio a Kentucky. Ohio literally right next to Pennsylvania. I know. I my, dad, my dad was hunting there. It's okay. Geography's not our expertise. No, no, no. I definitely know that nobody. I mean... We're friends with Jerry and Sierra. Know. We know that there's no Southern accents there. It's just fun to do one. For a bad, anywhere. For anywhere. Yes. I'm from Paris, France. <laughs> and I love my croissants. <laughs> my baguette from my morning. <laughs> I'm sure Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. In the, the, I go to the cafeteria in the morning mm-hmm. and I get my coffee beans. In a little mini cup, it's real strong, and they're mean to me there. <laughs> but it's okay because I live in Paris, France, and I was born here, <laughs> and I was born here. This hair accent, born here. I fell on my bike. <laughs> In Amsterdam. (laughs) And I conclude this episode with, if anyone heard this back in the 1800s, immediately to the asylum. Possessed. Possessed. And we are possessed with a great time and ghost stories. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. If you have any paranormal experiences, if you've been to the Ridges or went to Ohio University, or if you have any ghost stories, paranormal, supernatural, weird, creepy stories at all, please email them to us at Podcast at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes, follow us on all the things. Thank you to Christina for editing our podcast. And then Venmo us. <laughs> and we will see you on the other side other side uh, <laughs> other side <laughs> Ooh, you're so very spooky